0: Morning, love him this morning. Let there be a spirit of praise and glory touch your heart. We love thee, O God. We praise thee, O God. We worship thee, O King of kings, Lord of lords. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. I praise thee, O Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I'm glad to be in God's house this morning and to enjoy His good presence, His divine protection, and all the things that He does. There are things that we are admittedly, I would say, aware of, but I would also have to admit there are those things that we are not so aware of. He's doing lots of things, lots of things. And uh, I sure want to just let him know that I appreciate those things he's doing that I'm kind of dull about. He's there working, thank God, every minute, every hour, every day. Wonderful God we serve. You have your Bible? I'm turning to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. All right. Hebrews Chapter Ten. I'd like to begin with verse twenty two of Hebrews Chapter Ten. Hebrews, once again, Hebrews Chapter Ten, verse twenty two. Let us draw near with a true heart. Everybody said, true. true. A true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Lord. But call to remembrance the former days, in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions and partly whiles ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, he might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them. Everybody said "We we are not of them. Who draw back unto perdition. Now you want to say with me, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. It's good to know what you're not of, and it's good to know what you are of. Know where you stand, know which side of the line you're on, know which group you're with. I am uh, very happy when God grants me visitation of His holy angels. I don't want anything to do with that other group, that unholy group. I want nothing to do with them. Not at all. We want to cast them out. Everybody said, amen? Well, let's give God a big hand, shall we? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. Well, I want to just preach for a little while, teach for a little while this morning. He lit me up. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, when I I met actually a couple because I reached out to them. I saw them sitting there, and they looked maybe just a little bit older than us, my wife and I, and which made them pretty young, didn't it? Anyway, and I said. Um, so how long y'all been married? I just said it right across the aisle there and they looked up. She popped up out of her chair and just toddled over to where we were sitting and she, and she said, well, you know, uh, 47 years. And I said, well, that's marvelous. And we talked and she told us he was a chef and and uh, wound up that they'd lived in, a, in and about our area. Now they live down in Plantation and but they had originally come from the neck of the woods that we were from. and So it was a nice little conversation, opportunity to uh, witness to them a little bit. Got to tell them a miracle in our lives. And, and you know, that beautiful miracle in our lives is something that if people will be open to it, that you want to tell them more and more and more over and over again. We want people to know how that God was so kind and his grace was so marvelous. It is written, for by grace you are saved. It's God's divine favor. That's what opens the door, so to speak. And, uh, And, of course, that's through faith. You've got to believe what the book is teaching you. You've got to believe the preaching of God's word. You don't want these things to be wasted. One place in the scripture said, and it's it's good terminology, and put it in the right context and the right setting, it's very good terminology. It said, to what purpose is this waste? We do not want to waste what all God has opened the heavens and poured out upon us. We want to retain that. We want to have that in us. We don't want to have a a cracked container here, a vessel that it just runs on through us and it's all gone like a bucket with a hole in it. You know, you could be there at the place of getting the water and if your bucket has a hole or holes in it, crack in it, by the time you get to where you're going, you're going to wind up with an empty bucket. We don't want that. We want to retain what goes in that bucket and you and I, being the bucket, if you please, or being the vessel, and God giving to us the waters of eternal life, the gift of eternal life, known as the gift of the Holy Ghost, or His sweet Holy Spirit. And He gives us that. We, we want to retain that. We don't, to, we don't want to let that run out. We don't want to find ourselves in a situation where You know, where'd that go? Where'd that go? He said here, and he was talking about an individual coming initially to the truth. And when you come to that truth, then you, and he did use the terminology here, about receiving the knowledge of the truth. You didn't reject it, you didn't push it away. You know, when I first was witness to Oh, I was such a smart aleck. <laughs> I was such a punk. And for whatever reason, whatever reason you you put that on as armor, people do some very odd things. And it really becomes some kind of armor. They're they're trying to make a persona that they feel like is cool and and hip, and sharp. And uh, they don't realize that they actually look very foolish. They make themselves look foolish. And uh, I remember that. I just told him, Nah! I don't want that Bible. You know, if he didn't have the Holy Ghost, I'm sure he would have been saying, What a jerk. And he would have been right would have been right. But you know having the Holy Ghost he was kind and generous he was gracious, he was patient he was loving so he just went on driving the car and kept on talking to me about God. And uh, he kind of had a captive audience because I was in his car and we were traveling along and I was working for him. And uh, how God had arranged that was much like the, uh, the man Saul of Tarsha who became the Apostle Paul, in that he, uh, the good Lord, had arranged for me. Certain things had gone wrong, and uh, I needed a job. You know, I, the one I had, he fired me, and I quit. But we kind of had a, believe it or not, in the middle of a not agree agreeing we had a meeting of minds. So <laughs> he didn't want me and I didn't want him. But that still left me in need. And uh, But you know, God has purpose in things. If you'll work with God, He has purpose. Yeah. Eternal purpose. And He's got a blessing in there for you. If you'll just, <laughs> like one poor old mixed up woman said, get you down off your high horse and river. She meant to say repent, and she said repair. But I think that might work, actually. (laughs) Could repair some things. And uh, repentance will repair some things, as a matter of fact. And uh, You know, the Bible did say if your right eye offends you, fuck it out, and uh, your right hand, and you cut it off, or your right foot. These are really saying to us, Spiritually, you know, you have got to get into a spiritual frame of thinking here, or you'll be trying to get out an axe and shut, cut your arm off, and that would be ridiculous. What he's saying is, but there are some things that need to be cut off. and no doubt about that. And that's what he was saying. You need to repent. You need to cut off some sinful things out of your life. You need to get rid of that. Get rid of that. Some 40 years ago, in the beginnings here, helped build a church and get it up and running, preach revival and stayed all at the direction of my pastor. You mean he told you? Yes, he told me, and I, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I didn't want to, but I did it because he's my pastor. He's my shepherd. Yes, sir. And now that I had the Holy Ghost, I, I had an obedient spirit now. And I uh, got rid of that disobedient spirit. Got rid of that unholy spirit. While I welcomed the Holy Spirit. Makes a big difference in your way of thinking, your attitude. And I remember in those early days, there was a man lived right over here on the corner where the. You could go either way, you could go down fourteenth or you could go down whatever avenue that is, I don't know. <laughs> but uh you I should know. But there it is anyway. And uh they lived there and they had a son and we would invite him to Sunday school and he'd come over and and uh they had a garage type thing back of their house and one day they asked me to come over and help them. They were trying to organize. And I mean they had junk everywhere. Junk. God didn't make that because God don't make junk. But they had junk. (laughs) And admitted it and said it. And he wanted me to help get rid of it. And so I started going through things. I said, well, you need to put that out the road and let the city come by again. Put that, take get rid of this. And, And every time I said that, they'd pick it up and bring it back until finally i got I looked and I said, "Okay, folks, I said, you don't need me and uh it was kind of like it was kind of like Sister Hopper when she went down to miami to to uh get a license for roofing, and uh some big burly guy looked at her, and he said, "You're a roofer." She said, "No, I'm a test taker." Well, I told these people, I said, you don't need me. I said, you need a decision maker. And obviously, you don't want my decision making. <laughs> so so uh, I don't think they got rid of one thing. And so that was a waste of time, and their life went on. you know. And of course, um, I think both of them are dead, and the young man is probably about 55 now. and uh, But I am saying that, you know, we all need to come to a place to where we look in our heart and, and realize there's junk there and that God is looking at our junked up life and heart. And he's saying, you need to cut some things off. You need to repent. You need to get rid of some of your relationships. You need to get rid of some of the places you go to. And see Things you see and things you do and ways you act, and all these things are contributing to the wrong things in your life that are messing you up, tripping you up. And so I said that God, in my beginning there, He arranged for me to get a job with this guy that was in the church. I knew nothing about in the church. Knew nothing about the Bible. Never had read it. Here I was, 20 years old. Not a clue in, at all. Generically, I believed in God. My way, which you might as well say is no way. And uh, But hey, I, even though I wore a boot around my neck, at least I wasn't bowing down to him, right? That would have just been one more obstacle. But... Uh, it wasn't nothing to take that necklace thing off and get rid of it. I didn't care nothing about it after I started repenting. Yes, sir. I wanted to get away from some things. I wanted to put some distance between me and some things. I didn't want to sit there and just say, nah, nah, I ain't let go of that. Nah, I ain't going to stop talking to that one. I ain't going to stop hanging out with that one. Nah, uh No, see, I didn't want to. Something got a hold of me here. God was working. And it never dawned on me that God was working at that time. I never realized that God even really cared about me. And here's this guy just faithfully witnessing to me every day, every day, picking me up, taking me to work, doing nice things for me. And I'm I'm beginning, it's dawning on me here. Something, Something good is happening. I have an opportunity here. And you know, they teach you to a uh, certain type of sport, to, to run for daylight. And uh, just a sliver, just a crack, if you quick, you can get through that before things can close up on you. And uh, you've got to think about that spiritually, church family. You've got to think about there's sunlight, S-O-N. Sunlight, God's light, His marvelous light. And that grace of God that is appearing unto you, making its appearance in your life, you're not here by accident. What's taking place and drawing you is not an accident. Hey, this is for real. This is for real. And this Man witnessing to me, this brother in the Lord, he uh, picked me up one day and I said to him, I said, hey, I said, you know that Bible you were going to give me? He said, yeah. And I said, you think maybe I could have that? Well, that Bible he handed me was a little pocket Bible that first time and the second time he handed me a Bible about that big. <laughs> and I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm kind of glad I waited for that second one. It was a lot bigger, a lot easier to read. And, uh, and I'd go home at the end of work each day, and I'd, I'd get with my wife. And I, we'd, we, we, uh, it timed out, God timed out so many things. The television had broke, so we, and we didn't have any money. So we just put it in the shop and didn't have any idea when we might ever get it back. And the more we read the Bible, we decided not to get it back at all. And we just kept reading the book together. And uh, this had to be a funny thing, you know, because I'd go to the job and I had long hair, believe it or not. I did try to stretch your faith there a little bit. Sorry. Um, And, you know, I had the chinny-chin-chin thing going, all that junk. Anything that you thought was cool at the time, you know. And uh, I remember uh, I was at break time around 10 o'clock. I was reading the Bible. Lunchtime, I was reading the Bible. Go home time, reading the Bible. Something was getting a hold of me. And one day, the house we were working at, I don't know what we were doing, putting in windows or something. And uh, came break time or lunch time, one and I was, they had a nice lawn and it was a sunny day. And I was out in the, grass just laying there reading the Bible. And the little old boy, he was about six or seven, he went running in the house and said, Mommy, Mommy, there's a hippie out there reading the Bible. <laughs> well, it was better than the things I'd been doing, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, there was this experience that was building momentum in my life. And the writer here in Hebrews, he talked about in teaching these this group of people, he was reminding them, kind of like a call to remembrance, how it was after that you first got lit up. After that you were illuminated. Illuminated. And, uh, you know, the apostles, the man that became the Apostle Paul, he said that the light that got a hold of him was above the brightness of the noonday sun. And well, no, that's why I really don't like this little light of mine. It's really a great big light that we have. It's a marvelous light. And uh, I remember that uh, as we read the Bible and, that day came when, sure enough, you know, the teacher to be fishers of men, he had been waiting and setting the hook. And this brother said to me, what are you doing tonight? And I was sitting in an open window casing. As I said, I think we were putting in windows. And sitting there in this open window casing, I got the Bible open, and, and uh, I said, Why? You want me to go to church? 88 keys. And he just shook his head. Yeah. I said, all right. Okay. Okay. And so that night, got my wife and we headed to the church house. And uh, I remember people just worshiping. People jumping up and down. People hollering and screaming out loud. Amen, glory to God. You know, and sometimes run around the church, especially the men. They they had this thing about they'd go down the center aisle, go over to the right because it was an open room over there, and they'd all look like they were dancing. You know, I'm like, okay, I get down with that. Okay, you know, but see, that wasn't what the kind of dancing that was going on over there. It wasn't promiscuous. It it wasn't sexually oriented. It was holy-oriented, holy-ghost-oriented. It was clean. it was righteous. And I, I, uh, I, we were just amazed. And I remember thinking, am I in church or am I in the center field bleachers of Yankee Stadium? Because, man, this, these people are alive and excited. But it's not about somebody hitting the ball over the fence or making a good catch or anything like that. Not at all. And when the preacher preached, they got behind him. Man, it was exciting. Now I remember we were going out and I, we were walking across the parking lot to our car and and I said, um, I said, so what'd you think? She said, well, it sure was different. I said, yes, it was. And I said, I'll tell you something. I said, they got something that I don't have. And I said, I want it. I want it. That time period, call it an incubation period, if you like, when you're God's working and he's trying to fire you up. He's trying to get you lit up, trying to get you illuminated. And uh, You know, it's because of his favor that you even get the opportunity. I went to an airport here recently and you know how it is, you go through security and you know that's when you take your shoes off and your belt off and everything out of your pockets and you know, all that kind of stuff. Take your jacket off and and, you know, after a while, you got to say, okay, that's as far as I'm going, pal. <laughs> you know, so you got everything in the bucket in your hand. Well, whatever. So anyway, I'm looking. Huge crowd. And I'm thinking, wow. I know it's getting close to having to be at the gate, you know, on the plane. And all of a sudden, there's this rather stout-looking woman standing there in front of me. And she goes, where are you going? And I told her where we were going she opened the gate she said, go right ahead talk about go to the head of the class right to the head of the line I don't know what all of those hundreds of other people were thinking and I tried to move as quickly as I could before they would think too much but I told that lady when I passed her going through the gate I said I'm gonna speak good word for you come Christmas she gave a big old smile and yeah, and we went, she closed the gate. We went right to the man with the stripes all over him. and He looked at things and he said, go on. Okay, thank you. We just, God just helping us, moving right along. It was so nice. You know, God can really just move you right along. He can get obstacles out of the way. He can open doors. He can do those things. And they don't need to be taken for granted. He needs to be praised. He needs to be thanked. He needs to be worshipped. Yes. Yeah. There should be a boatload of appreciation. Did you ever have to stop at the railroad track while the cars were going by? And it wasn't two or three? It wasn't 10 or 20? After a while you need a calculator. And they just load it down, sugar cane, just going on by, going on by, going on by, going on, go on by. And you're like, after a while, you're like, <laughs> and all you see is more box cars. And you're wondering, surely there's an end to this, you know? Let me tell you something. Everybody, don't sit there and say he's picking on me. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling you, about all of us, there needs to be a train track, endless, infinity of boxcars loaded with thankfulness and appreciation for what all he has done. It needs to be big in your life. It needs to be important in your life. It doesn't need to be something that you're rationalizing and you're justifying your junk. And I told you, God don't make junk. You made that. (laughs) God didn't make that junk. No, God created the heaven and the earth, didn't he? Come on, God looked at something that was empty and void and without form or shape or direction or purpose. And it was dark. And God said, Let there be light. His spirit moved. God said, let there be light. And he didn't stop there. He just kept on and kept on and kept on. He made separation. And then God stepped back. Stood back. He beheld it. Took a good look at it. And he pronounced and said, it is good. It is good. God has done a good work in your life. And you need to acknowledge that. You, you need to praise him for that. Why don't we just stand for a moment and do that? What do you say? Thank you, dear God, for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you, O oh holy God. For all the gracious, wonderful, glorious things you've done in my life. For the blessings and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness. Oh God, thank you, my Father. My holy Jesus, I thank you. Oh God, I praise you for giving me forgiveness of my sins. Allowing me to receive the knowledge of the truth. Oh God, to be filled with... With the Holy Ghost in fire, I give you praise and glory and honor. I give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Thank you, dear God. You may be seated. In his earthly ministry, Jesus, being in the flesh, wearied with his journey sat down. And he sat down on a well in a city where he said, I I must needs go through there. He felt the need and the urgency. There was something that needed to be business-wise, spiritual business-wise. You know, I I don't have any businesses, church family, other than the church business. Uh, I don't have any houses or lands or bank accounts, or you name it. I don't have it. Don't have it. Don't want it. The church is our business. It's our life. And Jesus came because there was church business, spiritual business. That was his life. And he sat down on that well, being wearied with his journey, and according to the flesh. And uh, here comes a woman. Now, actually, she was a typical woman. She had sin in her life. Nothing really odd or strange about that because we've all sinned and we've all come short of his glory. And so, they started having a little conversation about water, she thinks, in the well that he's sitting on the edge of and, and of course she wants to start getting proud and about you know her religious beliefs and Jesus I love the way he did things he just went right to the heart of the matter he said you don't know what you worship No, so you, you you really don't know what you're talking about Sometimes people put on such a good spiel. They're, they're sales people. And they can really put on the blah, blah. And they can make it sound so good. But you know, Jesus saw through all of that. He put his finger right on the heart of the matter. And she wanted to point out, well, you don't even have a bucket. So natural in our thinking. He had a whole lot more in the bucket, didn't he? And he told her that. He said, first and foremost, he said, in other words, if you'd be respectful and realize who you're talking to, he said, you would ask of me. Sometimes you don't have because the Bible said you don't ask. Too busy about other things. Too busy about trying to Do it all on your own. Let me tell you something. When the devil comes to your door, he's knocking. Just tell Jesus it's for him. You get it, Lord. That's for you. won't stay out of that one. I'm not going to get involved with that. Not going to let myself get pulled into that. You handle that, Jesus. You handle that. He said, if you knew who you were talking to, he said, you'd ask of me. And he said, I'd give you water. He said, I'd give you living water. Oh, boy. He was getting her attention. Thank God for when God gets our attention. My pastor used to say that God had to hit him over the head with a two-by-four just to get his attention. That was how he described it. I think he was overdoing it a little bit. <laughs> I really don't. I know. I knew better. I know he was very sensitive to what God said and did. But he was humble about things. And... uh Finally came out that came up about relationships. Go get your husband. I don't have one of those. He said, no. He said, you've had five of them. Oh boy. Did I say got her attention? Brother. She went running on that one. That was the first marathon right there, a 5K. Whew! Took off down the road, went to town, and said, "Come see a man that told me all I ever did." <laughs> he read my heart. Oh man, you know you you can either react righteously and believing, or not. You can receive the word with meekness. That engrafted word that's able to save your soul. Or you can fight. You can resist. You can put up all kinds of defenses and rationalizations and excuse makings. So many things that a human mind can do, a heart can do. Or you can respond favorably, believingly, having faith. Be not faithless, but believing, it's written. And as you begin to believe and as you begin to have faith in what God's doing, what God's working out, that God is taking the time to reach for you. they recently had in the paper article about a young 19-year-old man. He was on the street walking. I didn't read where he was standing on a street corner, hanging out. He apparently, he was just walking with two or three of his peers, and some car pulled up, shot, killed him. Never. He was DOA, dead on arrival, when they got him to the hospital. And uh, they mourned him because they said he had so much potential so much potential. The principal of the school that he graduated from here in Palm Beach County spoke about what a potential the young man had, how he could talk on a a level with teachers in English, heads of the English department, things of that nature. And that they begin then to talk about the struggle of getting out breaking out of that which they find themselves imprisoned by, if you please. Just can't seem to get out of the cycle. Can't get away from the same old, same old. And I'm telling you that the Bible says that the grace and the goodness of God that hath appeared unto us that it's it's come to lead us to immortality, to eternal life. It's, it's come to help us to repent and get away. And there is a way of escape, church family. There is a way to get out of the mess that this world is constantly being pumped up and fed on things that are false. He said, let us draw near with a true heart. The opposite of true is false. I wonder how many times Judas told Jesus how much he loved him. Classic. Love you, Lord. <laughs> what well, did that young man say? I don't love her, I love her. Yeah, he wasn't saying that after she got to be a, carrying the baby. He was long gone by then. The devil will be long gone when he's got you imprisoned, when he's got you all kinds of captive. But you know, I read in the Bible where the Lord led captivity. Captive. He swooped in there and redeems us. Yeah. Redeemed us. Pulled us right out of the devil's pawn shop, if you please. Pulled us out, friend. We'd been, we were, we were slaves. We were trapped. We're caught up in all the issues of life, all the distractions of life. Here comes the Lord, sits down next to us and begins to have a conversation with our heart. Takes time with little old us. Oh, yeah. And then we get to to step right into the Bible. Acts chapter 2, just like they did. How that the Spirit of the Lord spoke through the preacher. Oh, that's right. The preacher does have a part. He does have a place. God did set Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What God said is not going to be moved, church family. People can cuss it, and they do. People can belittle it, and they do. But you just remember, God said it. Kind of like God said it. And when Peter opened his mouth and the Holy Ghost spake through him, he got done preaching. Maybe I should say he took a break. (laughs) People cried out. People that God had been working on. People that had been brought together. He said, they cried out. He said, men, brethren, What shall we do? What's the next step? Tell us what to do. We're so busy getting counsel from the wrong sources, listening to the wrong people, that we're missing what God is saying. We're so tied up. we're missing, that great hand of God that's reaching out to us, we'll sit in the seat of the scornful if we're not careful, and, and everything God sends, we'll question it, we'll criticize, we'll, we'll be filled with doubt, fear, and unbelief you better understand that the bottom of everything is unbelief. We're just not believing. And that's a choice that you make. But you could, as Moses and Joshua both, choose you this day. Choose what's set before you. Life and death. Faith and unbelief. It's all there. And Moses was so kind when he said it, life and death, he said, choose life. Choose this one. Choose life. Make it easy for you. Laying it right out there. Making it obvious. Tutoring you, helping you. Divine help. Trying to get you to heaven. I want to get you to heaven. I want to get you to, to where you'll be happy for a world without end. Yeah. There are things just like that long track of train cars, and you're like, when is it ever going to end? That's going to be the thought. There are things that, and other things that you have experiences like that when those are your thoughts. When is this going to end? I just want this to end. But I'm trying to tell you that that place where people are going to be, world without end, that place where it's nothing but torment, it's never going to end. There'll never be an end. One individual, in complaining about it, lamenting about it, was said, Son, remember. What is it? Son, remember. That thou, in thy lifetime, in your time of opportunity, you chose to have so many things of this life. Those were the Things you deemed to be good. Those are the things you chased after. said, but now. Oh boy, but now. Yeah. yeah. Now you're in the wrong place, world out in, you can't get out. There's just no getting out. Your mama can't get you out. Your cousin can't get you out. Your friends can't get you out. the church can't get you out now. Aren't you glad though that you're here this morning while we still can get you out, while we still can help you, while we still can counsel you, while we still can point you in the right direction, while we can dissolve and that's a Bible word, the doubts that are, talk about a hurricane, a cat five plus hurricane that goes on in the mind. The battle for your eternal soul that goes on. And you, by yourself, can't break out. But the church has been given the commission, the power and the authority. God working with us as we work. Confirming his word with signs and wonders and miracles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And God, I'm trying to tell you, is reaching for you. God has a burden for you. Rich young ruler, What must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) Jesus is so kind and so patient with us. (laughs) He ignores so much nonsense with us. Jesus, what's the law say? Named a few things. This guy said. Smug guy says, well, I said, i kept all of them since I was a boy. I was raised to do that. All the I've kept all of them. From a youth, you know. And uh you come up more and uh don't want you to be uncomfortable. And um said uh, the Bible said that the Lord the Lord loved him. The Lord's attitude was a burden towards him. The Lord saw the good. He saw the good. He saw, he saw a young boy that was becoming a young man. Raised up right, taught right. All these have I kept from my youth up. Bible said the Lord loved him. And told them, you're not far from the goal line. You're not far from where you need to be. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus did say in one place, and it's repeated more than once. There'll be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God come. That's the Holy Ghost, church family. That's what you get through the born again experience to see and to enter into the kingdom of God. What's the difference between that and the kingdom of heaven? You ain't getting no kingdom of heaven, too. You get the kingdom of God. You better get that straight. There are some steps here, there are some experiences here, there are some commandments here. Oh, we don't like to hear that now, do we? Strong indicator. That you're dealing with a lot of flesh. That Jesus said, Oh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. A simple example of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna read these this book. I'm gonna read James before I go to sleep tonight. James chapter one, verse one. James, it's not here, but I'm quoting, I think. "A servant of the Lord. That's how that goes, doesn't it? Gender. Gender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the flesh is weak. Jesus goes up into a place apart. In the days of his flesh. And he's well aware of that slippery, slimy, nasty serpent. That betrayer, that traitor, my own acquaintance, my friend, took bread together, running through Jesus' mind, no doubt, was the hundreds of things he had done for Judas, the son of Iscariot. He knew he was coming. He knew the hour was upon him. He goes and prays. It's possible. Let this cup pass from my child. But, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Comes back. They're all sleeping. Goes back, pray again. The Bible said he was sorrowful and heavy. Couldn't hardly get words out. He was so loaded down, the weight of the situation. Falls on his face and prays. After a while he gets up and goes back. Still sleeping. Gives him a charge. He says, Hey, he said, Pray lest you enter into temptation. You know the devil doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to talk to God. He's scared of that. He's scared of that. You can scheme and you can dream and you can concoct all kinds of ideas and put them into words and you, orate. You think you sound so good. And the devil just laughing. Go for it, boy. Go for it. Go for it. No problem about that. But pray. No, he don't want you to do that. Don't you do that. You're tired. You go to sleep. Bob said Jesus went back a third time. And it was described that I guess Luke must have stayed awake, huh? He was the writer that the Holy Ghost used, and he said of the disciples that they fell asleep because their eyes were heavy. They just powered down. (laughs) They were gone. There's Jesus left alone, carrying the load. Where's Peter? Where's James? All right, take your sleep, take your rest. It's all over now. It's all over. Come to that place, and here comes that slippery, slimy, oozy juice. Don't you just love it, Master? He plants a great big wet one on him. Jesus is standing there with slobber running off of him. And he says, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And then the reaction, how they treated him, how they talked to him, how they acted, how they had their swords, and lanterns, and everything that was going on, the turmoil of it all. At one point they said, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? He says, I am He. I'm telling you, angels were in that place. Holy angels were in that place. And I'm telling you, they were just itching. They just wanted to get the go ahead signal. And it would have been a slaughter. It would have been a slaughter. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? And then how would you get to be redeemed by the grace of God and your faith in his grace and his redeeming power? So consequently, he had to tell Peter, put up your sword. You don't need that. That's not the weapons of all warfare. Picked down and got down on the ground and picked up an ear and put it right back on there like it had never been severed off Jesus knows how to put things back together he knows how to repair things he knows how to work things out yeah. you just need to put him first you need to remember who you're of what did David say I was glad when they said unto me let us go unto the house of the Lord when they you need to know who, who they and them are in your life, who you belong with. Well, they're all right. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. You get that little child. That little child. Yeah. You're taking that child across the street taking that child through the store or different other functions of life. You're not letting that child go. You're not letting that child do whatever it wants, meander about and do whatever it wants and that child looking at you like, it's all right. It's all right. And you know good and well, it's not all right. Oh, but he's a nice man. Oh, Yeah he, he she's, she's nice. Oh, huh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh, yeah. When did that child cross that line that it became so know-it-all, so self-willed, so independent of you? When did that take place anyway? And why did that take place? Let's be of them that are not drawn back because he illuminated us. What shall we do? Repent. Cut some things off. Get some things out of your life. Get away from those influences, those words, those spirits. Get away from that. Get with them. They're not just going to church, but they're of a true heart. Full assurance. And they're not drawn back. They're not shrinking from the things of God. You know, when I came into church, how did you come into church? I repented. I thought I already had until my pastor, when I told him I asked him to be baptized, he said, you need to repent. I didn't argue with him. The old me would have argued. I just said, okay, sir. And I went out the door and got in the car and went down the street to college, jumped the fence and spent some time in prayer talking to God, and then a strange thing happened. God started talking to me. That was a new experience. Boy, what he said was, He was I was a punching bag, and he was knocking me all over that field. <laughs> like, you remember this? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Sorry, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. Well, what about this? Oh, oh, yes. And the more that happened, the, the worse I felt the more I was shrinking. Oh, yeah. I just thought I had repented. You ever read your Bible about the the woman that had the coins, the gifts, precious things? She lost one of them. The Bible said she went and got a light, turned it upright. She got the broom and started sweeping and cleaning. I guess you could say the vacuum. She went to work hunting and searching, getting into everything. Let me tell you, I take my wife to a restaurant. It doesn't take her three seconds to tell you if that place is clean or not. If there's dust, she sees it. I'm telling you, if there's a cobweb, it's right there, she's got it. Radar, pew. I mean to tell you. And this woman in the Bible, friend, she turned up like she wasn't going to miss any cobweb. She wasn't going to miss any dust. She'd got the pledge out. She got the rag out. She got the mop out. She got the broom out. She got the vacuum out. She had it all out, man. She said, We're going to find what we lost. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you can do that. We can do that. Because the devil wants to steal. That's what he comes to do. He wants to steal your illumination. He doesn't want you lit up. He doesn't want you on fire. He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you worshiping. You hear me? He doesn't want you doing that stuff. He doesn't want you controlling your children. Let them go anyway. Let them do whatever. Let them watch whatever they want. He doesn't want you to get stirred up about the spiritual things, the righteous things, the eternal things. He doesn't want you to make it to that place. That's the right place called heaven with Jesus. World without end. He doesn't want you to be there, Son in thy lifetime. You chose all these things, and you did all these things, and you, okay, this is, this is what you get. this is what you invested in, and this is where it brings you to world without end. But you know then that you talked about and despised and you know what did it say, he that despised Moses' law despised it. oh brother. No, they—they they died. They died without mercy. Very rough language here in Hebrew. Scary language. Scary. Died without mercy. And it said, "So, what? What do you think you got coming? Because we're not talking about the law, both." We're talking about something greater. As Jesus said in one place about Solomon, he said a greater than Solomon is here. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that he could say that without pride? He wasn't he wasn't showing off. Look at my muscles. He wasn't doing that. Wasn't doing that. What he was saying was to get their attention to wake up because, as I told one lawyer not too long ago, I said, Sodom and Gomorrah, Queen of Sheba are going to rise in the judgment and condemn this generation. Because the Bible said if they had seen what you see, if they experienced and had the opportunity that you had, said they would have repented and here you are strutting around you big dog. Strutting around big dog. <laughs> Jesus is saying all that I've done for you. All that I've done through my church. And you won't repent. You won't repent. But I don't want to be of them. I have, a cho- I have an opportunity to choose. He said, of how much sore punishment? How much worse? Suppose you, think about it. Do you suppose? Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God? Talk about throwing him under the bus. and hath counted the blood of the covenant, the New Testament, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, counted it an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. He pointed out, he said, be careful. He's warning because he said, God said, vengeance is mine. Somebody said one time, beware the wrath And I made it this of a patient God. Beware the wrath of a patient God. All day long, he said, arms stretched out. All day long, trying to reach you. All day long, trying to help you. Yeah. Vengeance is mine, he said. I will repay. The Lord shall judge his people. Fearful thing, the Bible said, to fall into the hands of the living God. You notice it's a falling. He said, but call to remembrance. Now let's think happy thoughts. He said, call to remembrance. Bring it up. The former days in which after you were lit up, you were illuminated. He endured a great fight of afflictions. Yes. You know what? When you get in the church, when you, get, when you repent, you get baptized in Jesus' name, and you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the born-again experience. That's God's salvation. Three things, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's Bible salvation. That's the salvation that Jesus gave his flesh for on the cross. And he said, here, you think about that. After that took place in your life, you went through some stuff because there's people going to to look at you because you don't... I remember the guy said to me, I bet you I can throw the football further than you. And I said, well, I said, I'll throw the football with you, but I won't bet you. He said, well, last week you would have bet me. I said, well, last week I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. I don't bet anymore. I don't drink anymore. I'm not doing all the things I used to do. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm on a new path, man. I left the darkness behind. I'm moving into the cloud where the light is. we had the cloud long before Steve Jobs and Mr. Apple came out with the the cloud. We had the cloud. The Bible tells you we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hello. There's no telling what some people got in Apple's cloud, but I know what's in my cloud, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm happy about it. Come on now. I got Moses in my cloud. I got Samson and Samuel in my cloud. I got Mary, the mother of Jesus, in my cloud. Woo! I got Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in my cloud. Woo! Come on now. You ought to be lit up. You ought to remember how God lit you up. You ought to remember what all God done for you. And you ought to smack the snot out of the devil and tell him you're not with his group. You're not of them that are shrinking back and drawing back. Missing church and not involved in spiritual things. You're not drawn back. You're not going backwards. You're going forward. You're pressing toward the mark for the prize of bullseye. Yeah. I don't need to go to one of them places. Draw. What do they call them? Gun ranges or whatever they call them. I don't need to go there. Everywhere you look, they're popping up all. The- I don't need to go there. I know where my bullseye's at, and I'm going to hit it, friend, and you're not going to hit it with a rifle or a gun or a bazooka or a tank. You hear me? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you're going to hit it with praise. You're going to hit it with thanksgiving. You're going to hit it with hands high and lifted up. You're going you're gonna to hit it with you speaking forth and when you don't know how, the Spirit itself will make intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Everybody said praise, everybody said hallelujah. Give God a big hand. Come on. Whoa, Whoa. Thank God. Thank God. Thank. You. Thank you. All right. You know I could. Ju- I was just getting started, but I'm gonna stop. I'll do that for you. I'll have mercy on you. Amen. We are of them. Okay? Because for yet a little while, remember, he's going to come. He that shall come will come. And he will not tarry. He said the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul, God says, shall have no pleasure. God doesn't have any pleasure people who draw back. People who quit. People who, you know, what did he say in one place? They get lukewarm. No, he don't don't want any of that. He said, but we are not, everybody said not, we are not of them. We're not of them. I'm none of you, man. I have nothing to do with you. I'm embracing the church. I'm embracing the things of God. Not only do you need to make up which side you're on and who you're with, but you need to ask God to give you grace to be with them, to make the right choice, to find the strength to be with the right them and to have the strength to say, I'm not of them. I'm not of them. Well, what's wrong? Isn't that wrong? That's for God to judge, not you. You just leave that alone. After all, you shouldn't judge, should you? Oh, how we love to conveniently use that. I'm going to judge. Oh, yes, I am. You better judge, too. Because if you don't judge things right, you could wind up with all kinds of diseases and problems in your life. So you better make a, what the Bible said. Hello, remember the Bible? A righteous judgment. You want to judge by chapter and verse, subject matter, the Word of God. That's what you want to do. So we're not of them that who draw back unto perdition. perdition. He said, but we're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's a group you want to be with you want to be with them that are believing they keep on believing you know this isn't a, a sprint okay this is a a long term race that's set before you and you're encouraged to run everybody said hallelujah take a moment lift our hearts with our hands i love you jesus and i praise and worship you and i Need your help. I want to have a true heart, Lord. Help me. Create in me. Clean heart. Right spirit.